she was found on the side of the road. And the sad thing is my grandparents and myself both traveled that road that morning. We saw the cop cars and we didn't even comprehend what was going on. We didn't get the news yet. The body hadn't been identified. So they drove past their daughter and I drove past my mom, not even knowing what happened. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing so well today, Tim. Really, the question is, how are you? I am doing well as well. Really couldn't be better. And well, great. In this <laughs> and uh, for this episode, Lance, we speak with a woman named Carly Bodine and her mom, Karen Bodine, was murdered. This is an unsolved murder case and Karen was found murdered January 22nd, 2007. And this story takes place in Olympia, Washington. And Carly has been an incredible advocate for her mom's case. And Carly is sort of unofficially joined by her friend, her mom's friend as well, Bernie. So you can hear the passion in both of their voices. They've really championed this cause to bring justice to her mom's murder, her mom's brutal murder, uh, and and doing everything from fundraising to candlelight vigils to the amazing billboard campaign that they've aggressively placed throughout the community, including right outside the front door for the most part of the person who they think is the most likely suspect. And Carly is just like a force, like taking flyers all over the place, never leaving home without these flyers. She is determined to figure out what happened to her mom and finally just bring some closure as much as she can to her and her family. Absolutely. And you may have heard of this case if you attend CrimeCon or some of their offshoots. Um, CrowdSolve was one that they did in Seattle and they, they discussed this case. So we talk about, maybe we talk about that a little bit, uh, but really her efforts in pushing this case forward is just admirable. And uh, she's on Facebook. There's a Facebook group called Justice for My Mom, Karen Bodine. And they're having a vigil um, on January 22nd, 2022. So you can check out some more information for that on the Facebook page or on their website. It's KarenBodine.com. And if anyone has any information about Karen Bodine's murder, please contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5500. And Lance, you mentioned these billboards. Carly has paid for these herself. So they are raising some money. They have a Venmo page that you can search on Venmo for Carly Bodine. And uh, that will help them erect more billboards in the area. And feel free to swing by the old website at crawlspace-media.com. Also, if you just happen to be around the uh, review area of wherever you listen to podcasts, throw a five-star review on. Why not? Okay, so I hope you really enjoy this episode. Please follow us on social media at MissingCSM. Thanks a lot for listening.
Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Carly Bodine, how are you? I am very well. What about yourself? We are doing great. Um, thank you for coming on. This uh, is a conversation that I've been looking forward to ever since Tim said that he was connecting with you to to get you on the show. I'm just in awe of what you've done, and we'll get into your story and your mother very soon. But I just wanted to put that out there that uh, we love having people like yourself on the those who take charge uh, and really like pick up the gauntlet and become an advocate uh, for something that's important. So well done. That means a lot to me. Like every time I hear someone say like good job or thank you it's like yes because i've been shouting from the rooftops like ever since this happened and it's finally getting somewhere so it's like yes my hard work has paid off so i mean i mean thank you and everything to you guys like it's an honor and a privilege to be here and i'm privileged that you guys get to help share the awareness of my mom like yeah woohoo you know you're part of it now too yes and we're happy to be and uh you you reached out to us on tiktok and yeah. uh and that was that was really great we have only been on tiktok for a short period of time and so we I have not say, me too yeah. not to interrupt but i am brand new to tiktok so for all the listeners just bear with me i'm still learning it like <laughs> <laughs> Us well, too. <laughs> us too. And 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 we have um, some partners that we work with. And Tim especially was like, you got to get on tip TikTok. He's trying to get me to do more videos. And I'm like, what what is that going to do? What good's going to come of that? And then look at like literally like a week later, it, you, we're, we're here with you. So it's like almost instantaneous. I got like Sarah Turney to get me on TikTok too. And I was like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? Like, the first week I was on there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's opened up a lot of new avenues and new platforms and that's what I'm always trying to do. Um, I'll probably be at CrimeCon in Vegas in April too. So I'm really excited about that. I just went to the Texas one just a few months ago in July, June, July too. So, I mean, I'm trying to make the rounds. I'm trying to do my thing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's really great. Your advocacy efforts. And uh, again, it's inspiring. And um, of course, we are talking about um, a very tragic case. the The story of your mom, Karen Bodine. She has been gone almost fifteen years now. Yeah, January twenty second will be fifteen years. Yeah, it's the fifteen year anniversary, sadly. And can you tell us a little bit about um, what happened to her? She was found uh, on the side of the road. I wouldn't exactly call it a ditch. It's more like a gravel pit quarry thing, but it's also a place where like local people will throw like poached deer carcasses and tires and cars. Like it, it was a bad spot for her to be found in. I mean, she was literally dumped, you know, you hear dumping bodies, but like, that's what happened. Like she was literally dumped at a dump site essentially. And she was found on the side of the road. And the sad thing is my grandparents and myself both traveled that road that morning. They were off to a real estate meeting and I was off to school. We saw the cop cars and we didn't even comprehend what was going on. We didn't get the news yet. The body hadn't been identified. So they drove past their daughter and I drove past my mom, not even knowing what happened. Real quick here, we've got Bernie. This is my mom's friend she went to school with. I'm here. I, I hang out with a lot of my mom's friends. That's why I get a lot of my work done. Like they help me a lot. She was sadly, she was found naked, strangled on the side of the road, resting on a car seat, like not like a baby car seat, but like the back of a car seat her that was removed. Her head was propped up on the seat and then her body was displayed and ligature. And there was, yeah. And there's a ligature around her neck. 
that's absolutely tragic. And you were passing by that scene and yeah. didn't know what you were passing by. Mm-hmm. And How I, old was your mother? She was 37. And 37. That's, that's really hitting home right now because I'm 33. So it's like, wow, wow. You know, that's only a few years older than me. Like, I mean, it's it's been hard ever since it happened. But now that I'm getting closer to the age, it's, it really hits home how young she really was. I mean, I was 18. I had just turned 18. I was a senior in high school. I thought I was a grown up and I was an adult. I was just a little kid back then. Like, oh, my goodness. I just there's the saying that time heals all wounds. And that's just not true. That's not accurate. I mean, it's been almost 15 years and this wound is still wide open. Isn't that just kind of something that people say just because they they personally probably haven't experienced something like that? Time heals all wounds, but, you know, they probably weren't passing by at 18 years old the scene of their own mother's murder. Exactly. That has not been solved. And that's your mission. That's your cause. And that's the thing. And before I got the billboards up and everything, which has brought a lot of awareness, but I I have flyers that I pass out literally everywhere. When I go to the grocery store, when I go to the bank, when I go to the dollar store, when I go take my dog at the dog park, I, yeah, wherever, you know, go out to eat. I park as far away as I can. I put a flyer on every single car and then I have flyers in my purse and I hand them out to the people inside too. And usually they're they're like, oh, I've seen the, now that the billboard's up, people are like, oh, I've seen the billboard or I've seen something. But before people were like, I've either never heard of this case uh, either, or I thought it was solved. I heard about it and I thought it was solved years ago because no one ever talks about it. Or people are like, I'm not interested, go away. And it's like, really? But and it's like, okay, whatever, screw you. You got one on your car anyways, so. Good, I like that, uh, that attitude. People need to know. I never thought I'd be in this position. I never thought I'd be speaking with you guys or anything else. Like no one thinks your family member, a close family member is going to be a a murder victim or a trauma victim or victim of like violent crime. Like you never think it's going to happen to you or your family. That's the thing. It's my mom and I used to sit together and watch cops and watch the ID channel and watch what is it? Unsolved mysteries, that old show or whatever, you know, like never, never knowing that, that would be my life eventually. Like I'd be the one sitting here talking about my mom on shows. Like no one fathoms that you never think it will happen to you until it's too late. And it has. And that's what I want to get across to people is that it can happen to anyone. You're so dedicated to fighting for the cause now. Um, what was it like back then in 2007 when, um, when it happened, you were a high school senior. Yeah, I had just turned 18. I was a high school senior. I actually ended up wearing my graduation dress to my mom's funeral. So when it came time to graduation, it was a little different wearing the dress. It wasn't so exciting. That's a really uh, puts things into perspective type thought. It really does. I was thinking about taking a year off or going to college or whatever. And then all of a sudden your mom's murdered and it's like, whoa, okay. You know, yeah, you, you think about things a lot differently. I was just 18. I thought I was grown up and knew all the answers back then. I'm sure everybody does when you're 18, you know, and then something like that happens and you're like, oh, oh, 
how did your friends treat you afterward? You know, you're 18 and planning your graduation, and I'm sure there was talk about what we're doing after graduation and everything. What was it like then? I ended up not even going on the senior trip just because I just didn't feel up to it, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, it was definitely, it made everything different. Like, don't get me wrong. I saw my good friends and everything, but the second, and I went to a private Christian school, which was really tiny. So, I mean, I don't think we even had a hundred students. I think I graduated with like 20 or 26 kids. Like it was tiny. So the second you walk in the doors, people are looking at you and, you know, you can hear, you know, people are talking and it's not necessarily bad, but you know, word spreads fast. And then like, you would find out that the history teacher said, oh, be careful because Carla's coming in next class. Everybody be nice to her. And it's like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm now I'm that girl. Well, they should be nice to you anyway, for the record, you know. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had a good high school experience, but I mean, everybody kind of coddled me and everything and was like, I don't know. It was it was definitely life changing or like. When I got my first job at Burger King, you know, when I was working, people would be like, what are you doing for Mother's Day? I'd say, oh, hanging out with my grandma or going and buying flowers for my mom. They'd be like, why? I'm like, well, because my mom's dead. And they'd be like, oh, how'd she die? Like a car accident? And it's like, well, no, she was murdered and it's unsolved. And then people were like, you know. So people would treat you differently? Mm Mm-hmm a little more sensitive around you or like afraid to say the wrong thing or something? You know, there's the, your mom jokes or whatever, which don't bother me. I mean, I think they're funny like everybody else does, but then people like wouldn't say those jokes around me or they're like, you know, it's like, dude, it's, it's okay. Like I'm not going to go burst into tears because you told a joke. Like it's okay. You guys like, yeah, I definitely got treated different afterwards. And you're certainly doing a lot of work in keeping your mom's name out there and trying to find the killer. Uh, but what was the investigation like in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of the murder? Um, two parts to it, I guess, the investigation and also any media coverage that happened uh, in the aftermath. As politely and professionally as I can say is the media and the police absolutely did not do their job and they botched their investigation and everything in the beginning. They were a complete letdown and failure. They victim shamed. They, they told false stories. They, they put a a mugshot of her from 1997 for a small misdemeanor up in the paper instead of asking the family for a recent photo They wouldn't even ask us like for interviews or anything. I mean, it was disgusting. And because of how the media handled it, the police didn't handle it well and the public didn't care. And it was literally set aside. Finally, finally, when we got uh, chosen for Crime Con, they literally had to go to the basement and blow the dust off the case file to get into it. You mentioned Crime Con. It was the first crowd solve ever, actually. Yes. How does it feel to know that they had to go to the basement and blow the dust off the files and had no regard for your emotions when it was put out a mugshot, for example, about your mom? The original detective was about to retire. We'd gone through three or four different detectives. Yeah, I mean, the police system back in that, like, back in our local community was pretty corrupt. They hadn't cleaned house yet. They just let things slide. Like it was, 
there's so many things that should have been taken into evidence originally in my mom's case that was not that's coming back to haunt us now, especially with all the developments and changes in forensic science. Um, the prosecutors wouldn't even get a hold of us. Like the week before CrowdSolve or CrimeCon or whatever contacted me, I had called the Olympian and asked for them to do a story. I'm like, you guys, it's been forever story you did was false can we please just like bring awareness you know and they told me flat out no 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 and then I did this crime con crowd solve thing and the Olympian called and they're like hey we'd like to interview you and excuse my French but I said well you guys are jackasses because I just called a week ago and you refused me get over here in a half hour and you get your interview (laughs) because I mean it was my chance to do it but I also gave them my I'm like my mother. I'm passionate, whether it's a uh, good or bad. I'll, I'll tell you how I feel. I got that from my mom. <laughs> I, I want to go back to something you said uh, right right off the bat when you answered the question, which was they victim shamed her. Why were they victim shaming her? They called her homeless and a prostitute. She was never ever homeless. Um, not not to say anything bad about homeless or people or prostitutes or anything. I just I want it to be known. That was not the case. And that was part of the problem is what that's what the media and everything wrote. And what, Bernie? Well, in the first article that came out in the Olympian here, they, you know, instead of just putting the facts, they put her arrest records in there. They stated that she was homeless. Um, they made her seem like she was just this big drug addict that was on the streets and made it seem like it was her fault. And that's that's the victim shame. And that wasn't true at all, because she right. was just living at home right before that. She had just moved back in with her boyfriend. They had just gotten in a fight on that Friday. And so she left the house and she was hanging out literally a few blocks down the street from her boyfriend's house at this guy named Jim Hunt's house, which is a person of interest, by the way. And the last person to see her was also a police yeah, officer. Yeah, the last person that the ever... The last person yep. that saw her was a police officer. Well, last official person that's reported saw her was a police officer. That's how she ended up getting identified, actually, because it was an unknown female when they found her on the side of the road when we were passing, when my grandparents and I were passing. They were calling even Grays Harbor, Pierce County, Mason County... Uh, which are our surrounding counties to Thurston County, which we live in, trying to figure out who this person was. And the police officer that just had the last contact with her, which was a welfare check because she was walking down the street. And this is January 22nd in Washington around the Olympia Lacey area, which people don't know. It can actually get pretty cold here. I mean, like during the day, it might not even break freezing. And I think she just had like a windbreaker jacket on or just like a light jacket. So someone had called as a welfare check, like, hey, I think this woman's dressed a little too cold for the weather. And the cop, you know, went and checked on her and she's like, no, I'm fine. You know, leave me alone. And then I think that that was in the afternoon. And then she hung out with her friends or, you know, her boyfriend's friends or whatever that time period. And then Monday morning, she was found not just dead, but killed, murdered. really ridiculous i mean the the reason why she was uh victim shamed is because they thought she was something which isn't even the it's not even like the that's not even the 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 right reason like it doesn't matter okay so what if she was someone who was in the sex trade it doesn't matter if she was it's still a person she was still a sister a mother 
a yeah. daughter to somebody. It, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. I don't care if she was homeless or a prostitute. That's not the case. That's what I'm trying to make clear. But it doesn't matter if she was. You still should not have done that. Yeah. And it's the mentality. Like, are, we're not living in the 50s. This happened in 2007. Like, it's pretty modern, right? I mean, you should have, like, I guess, more of a progressive or modern way of thinking that even if you were to find somebody and you had some notion that they might have been been involved in something like it's not even an excuse for that like the family on the side saying like hey we'd love to do an interview or give you pictures and the media is ignoring us and can you tell us a little bit about your mom what was she like oh gosh that's a can of worms she was amazing she was a jack of all trades she was funny she was super into fashion she was into sports she had quite the passionate temper she lit up the room the second she walked in like she was a big presence she yeah like her presence and just her consumed the, her, her laugh okay so her laugh okay uh it was very cute and adorable but when she really got going she would snort but she was the only one that could pull it off and not make it look dumb like it was cute when she did it and like she'd always throw her head back and yeah back. and she would throw her head back and she would snort like and it was just like oh my gosh like and you could hear it from probably a quarter mile away and she could whistle like none other. I don't know how she learned it probably from my grandpa, but she could do the whatever whistle or everything like, and it was loud as all get out. She would sing. She knew all the old good songs. Like, of course she liked Metallica and all that. But one day I was driving around with her and the radio was on and green day was on. And all of a sudden she turned up the radio and started singing. And I was like, my mom likes green day. She's singing (laughs) green day. That's so cool. Green Green Day transcends generations. Also, exactly, right? And um, I also thought that, I don't know, maybe it was just how everybody did it back in the day, but when I was a kid for Halloween, my mom always made my costumes. Like she sewed them and made them and everything. And I thought that's what every kid did. And everybody like, where'd you get your costume? I'm like, my mom made it. Duh, didn't your mom make yours? Like, I just thought that's what was the thing until I got older and I was like, oh, buy costumes. <laughs> that's amazing. And you're, you're with an individual named Bernie, who you said is your mom's friend. Mm-hmm. And you said that you hang out with your mom's friends a lot. Uh, did that happen pretty much immediately after the murder? Some yes and some no, like especially now that I'm campaigning and everything, like I have uh, Bernie, my good friend, and then Colleen Esham is the other one. They are my two main, I mean, there's probably four or five or six girls that I hang out with, but Bernie and Colleen are the main ones and they really support me and they help me with uh, the podcast and everything. Colleen always comes down from, I do honking waves and I do vigils not just for my family, but for all the local families like Nancy Moyer, Logan Schindelman, Matthew Anfelt, just to name a few. I mean, there's 30, so I can go on, but we do events like that and they come and they participate and they help. Colleen came and helped the garage sale. Um, actually, when I, yeah, uh, Bernie's probably coming to Las Vegas with me for Crime Con because uh, when I went to Texas, it was my first time ever traveling. And so Colleen came with me on the airplane and kind of showed me what to do and everything. So Bernie will probably come with me to Vegas. I got to say, despite the tragedy and your seemingly uphill uh, battle to get this out there and, and get some sort of closure, it really is heartening to see 
what you've made of it with your mom's friends and like you said you do the honking waves and you work with other people and, and you're, you're an advocate for others because you could go the other way i've seen that too and i've contacted families where i'm like hey you know like i'll help tell your story i'll do i'll give you more awareness and they're just like no no and i'm like don't you want answers don't you want to know like don't you want to make a fuss like I haven't shut up since it started like 14, almost 15 years ago, but finally with the advances in technology and YouTube and TikTok and all that, you got to remember all that didn't exist back when all this happened. Like my sister and I shared a big old block cell phone that you couldn't call people till after seven. There was no texting, like there was no Uber GPS, like all that stuff didn't exist back when all this happened. You know, there was no iPads and tablets and a lot back then. People forget that. Like, and that's only 14, 15 years ago. And it really seems like you're taking advantage of most of the things that are out there for you to uh, work with, you know. Um, Learn, you know. Crime Con and CrowdSolve is a huge uh, step. Um, obviously, podcasts and just go going out and contacting people on your own to appear is such a big step. And I don't know what that would take emotionally to get to that point. I get told no all the time. And all that means is, okay, wait a few months and call again and ask harder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean... I, I've learned you have to have tough skin to do this. And, mm -hmm. and I've learned that. Um, so I've gotten some harsh responses of, no, we're not interested. Or uh, the Olympian has flat out told me, no, we want a better story. Wait till you get better news. That's our hometown local newspaper, by the way. Yes, yeah, that's what is confusing to me. It's like you want people to know what's going on in your community. We're in the state capital. Yeah, this is the capital of Washington, by the way. And they're just completely ignoring it. And another thing is, my grandpa, her dad, was a firefighter, and then he was fire commissioner, which is higher than the chief, for years and years and years, even up at the time of her death. And they pretty much turned their back to him when all this happened. And I mean, like, it's he served his community for almost 40 years, and then his daughter's murdered, and you guys don't care. He helped with suicides and wrecks and baby deliveries and what else, and you guys just turn your back like when when you're referring to people turning their backs who who specifically the media or the community yeah, itself the, yeah the police the community yeah anyone and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors thanks to our sponsors and now we're back to the program it seems like if i'm not mistaken there's a a new detective that you're working with now that um yes. sort of changed so the the narrative Really quick, not not to confuse anyone, there was a Detective Hamilton originally that was on the case, and he was an old guy, and he has since retired. He's a jerko. We don't like him. There's a new detective named Mickey Hamilton. He is young, and he is on the job. He is actually not technically assigned to the case. No one is assigned to the case, but he takes it upon himself to work on it all the time. Like, if I call him... If I have to wait two days for a phone call back, that's amazing. He usually calls me back before then. Like, we just talked yesterday and we talked two weeks prior to that. He's the only detective in 14, almost 15 years that actually returns phone calls. Um, when a detective got changed, because we've gone through three or four of them, our family wasn't even notified, usually. Did I miss something? You, How many detectives have have, have they gone through? four or five different ones, and they don't even notify the family. 
oh, and there's been many times where I show up at someone's house and I'm sitting there questioning them. And then a detective shows up and starts questioning. And it's like, how did I get here first before you with all your resources and all your everything? How did I get here first and start questioning people? Answer me that. What was your experience like immediately after with law enforcement? Did they come to your house and talk to the family and gather as much information as possible? They pretty much notified us and left. Here's the sad thing is my brother, which his room is close to the front door, was sitting there watching the news on silent, watching his the story of his mom as the detectives were knocking on the door telling the family. So it was on the news and it was on the radio and everything before we were notified. And when he's watching that on the news, he's not realizing that who it is, right? That it's his mom. Yeah, he was like 12 years old. He didn't understand. What's the community like? It's grown since I was younger, but it's still very small. Um, Lacey, Olympia, and Tumwater all kind of meld together. If you're not from here, you don't know where the borders end and start. So it's all kind of one little town. I guess word travels fast. You can say like the one day I don't wear makeup and go to the grocery store is the day I run into everybody, of course. But it, it has grown like it is bigger now. But if you're born and raised here, like me and a lot of the other families, everybody knows everybody. Or if you don't know someone, your mom and dad know their aunt and uncle or whatever. So it's, it's very small. And tell us a little bit more about this Jim Hunt uh, character that you mentioned. What would you like to know? Well, why is he considered a person of interest? He is considered a person of interest because his house was the last place that she was seen at. The people that were at that house were the last people that she was seen with. Um, he has been, what's the right word? Um, off-putting on answering questions, like there'll be a scheduled date and time for him to come in and he'll have some excuse not to and everything. And uh, now he's trying to probably like go off to Hawaii or New York or run away because he thinks that he can just go run away and it'll just all go away. I don't know if he committed the act. I don't know if he was involved in the cleanup or I don't know if uh, he just knows what happened, but he knows something and he's not talking to anyone. I mean, she, it was his house. It was, you know, everything. And it is a known fact that they had a verbal altercation hours before she died. And where is that information coming from? Were there eyewitnesses of this? Multiple eyewitnesses and police reports where he admits it. Why do you suppose that he's being um, evasive if he doesn't have anything to do with this? That's what I'm saying. If he didn't have anything to do with it, why are you trying to hide and not talk? Like, wouldn't you want your name cleared? Wouldn't you want it to go away by talking? <laughs> Plus, there's a ten or a thousand dollar crime stopper reward. Plus, there's a private family reward too. So it's like, come on, dude. Does he have something in his past that he might be afraid is going to come out if he starts talking with police about, I guess, any crime, including this that he might have had some hand in? I've wondered about that too because. He has been to prison, I believe, before the whole incident with my mom. And then he's been to prison since then for drugs or firearms or something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, I think maybe like talking might incriminate him and some other stuff or something. So maybe that's why he's being quiet. But either way, he needs to talk. So he was with your mom that night and they were got, they got into a verbal altercation uh any word on what the altercation was about 
unfortunately we don't know that i'm still trying to figure that out i'm trying to figure that out and like the exact timeline from like seven to two or three in the morning because i think she was first reported being found around eight or eight thirty, which means she was probably dumped a few hours before that so i mean between probably like two and six or something was probably the time she was killed is what i'm assuming so we need a timeline leading up to that there's no uh, medical examiner report or autopsy that you can reference i do have an autopsy but it doesn't really tell you much right it doesn't give you like an estimated time of uh death Mm -mm. okay by the way this is a big old giant binder all my info i have on my mom so yeah well done. Looks like a, a thick uh, case file. Yep. So, yes, I'm, I am curious. Have you reached out to anybody who might be able to help you in that arena independently? Like maybe somebody who is a medical examiner? Now, this was a little before I started getting a little more popular online and stuff, which I'm not popular yet, but I'm trying to get my mom's story out there. But um, I have contacted private labs and all that stuff and they just kind of blow me off kind of just like the newspaper and everything else i mean that's what's so frustrating is i just get blown off so much but one thing is because i just got back from crime con in texas there's othram or othram uh forensics and there's yeah. a guy david middleman or david middleton sorry if i mess up his yeah, name no, that's uh, yeah Othram labs in austin texas uh david middleman yeah wonderful guy wonderful uh organization and i met him in person i just ah thank you for correcting me we actually sent some dna samples to him so hopefully he can do something because he seems like a lot better than the um resources we have here locally the great thing about Othram is that they work with law enforcement so by the time they get to that level or that tier you know it's not it's already legit it's it's already something that can probably be used in court or used to at least issue a search warrant somewhere exactly and then also um somehow i don't know if it was the billboard or one of the podcasts but a local fbi agent saw the case too and now they are involved so now i have access to FBI level forensic testing. Well, that is excellent. Um, yeah, I did notice the the billboards you did. I want to ask about that in a moment. Um, do you know what Othram has as far as a DNA uh, sample? Um, I know they have a DNA sample. I think it's like some kind of mixed sample and they're trying to separate it or something like that, which hasn't been able to be done before. And I think they might be able to do it now. Fingers crossed. That's what we're hoping for. So, I mean, David's amazing. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if anyone can do it, he can. Yeah, it, that's absolutely true. And tell us a little bit about the billboards. Um, how many billboards have you had put up and who's paying for that? I've had two billboards up. Actually, I paid for most of it. And then I had a few generous uh, donations, which for like birthday, my birthday and Christmas and stuff, I said, hey, instead of buying me a present, please donate to the cause, you know, because I got to say, like, even flyers and stuff are not cheap to print out. One was up for like three and a half months or something like that. And the other one was up for like six months. So it was a pretty penny, but it was every penny well spent. I'll tell you that. I was going to say now when I hand out flyers, sometimes I get like, oh, I've seen your billboard or I've seen a podcast, which 
six months ago, I wasn't getting that response. So I'm doing my job. Thank goodness. And I'll tell you what, part of the reason I'm doing this job is because my mother would do the exact same thing for me, if not more. Can you um, tell us the location of the uh, the billboard and the reasons for putting the billboard where you did? Uh, so the locations were strategic. Um, one was fairly close to Jim's house. You know, you had to pass it. Everybody saw it. It was next to a coffee stand. So as you're getting your coffee, you're forced to sit there and stare at it. And the other one was right next to Jim's house. So he had to pass it every day coming and leaving. And so did all of his friends. Wow. I, well, I like uh, how forward that is. Um, is he still in the area? For now, he is. Um, because at least once a week, I hand him a flyer. You hand him a flyer? Yep. Sometimes he answers the door. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he pretends he knows who I am or like, Sometimes he, you know, he's like, hi, Carly, give me the flyer. Other times he's like, who are you? What are you selling? I'm like, well, I'm Carly Bodine. I'm selling you this. I mean, he knows who I am. He just plays games and I'll play him right back with him. So every week or so you knock on his door or ring his bell and hand him a flyer? I either hand him a flyer or I just leave white lilies on the porch. What's the significance of those? Uh, Lilies are like a death flower. Like that's what you bring to like a funeral so the level of thought that goes into that is impressive by the way um and the uh, what's the word i'm looking for tenacity to vivacity tenacity yeah (laughs) yeah you uh, just be clear in my head you walked uh, on a weekly basis you walk up and knock on the door of the prime suspect in your mother's murder and you hand that person a flyer if they're not there, you leave them flowers that represent death, something you'd bring to a funeral. Yep. He's ripped up the flyer in my face. He's brought it in. There's times I've taped it to his windshield because he won't take it. Yeah. Has he ever reported you for like harassing you? Because he's guilty of something. So of course he hasn't reported yeah. me. Tells me another thing. He's got to be guilty of something because he's not reporting me. So, I mean, come on now. Let's think about this rationally. He's got to be hiding something. Does he run in any circles that involve people that he would confide in that, that you know of? So I know for a fact that my mom's boyfriend at the time, when she, uh, when she left the house that weekend, I know that they still hang out because just a few weeks ago, I saw them together. So uh, I want my mom's boyfriend questioned again because I know he's got to know something. They, um, they initially just told him like oh hey karen's dead they didn't even question him or anything like that and what the police had come to believe not the police i guess the current detective and myself for many years have been saying we think more than one person's involved either in killing her or cleaning it up there's more than one person involved there it's just there has to be looking at all the evidence and circumstances realistically that's the case because there there would be more evidence if not or you yeah. would think so or like yeah i mean and it looks like there's like a few different signatures or whatever i mean someone obviously like stripped her of all her clothing maybe of like of evidentiary value like trying to get rid of evidence but yet she was just tossed on the side of the road so that is a completely different um signature or way of operation than the other person like and at that time back in 2007 
Jim, Jim's house was kind of known as like a flop house, like a drug house or whatever. And so I'm sure he had a lot of cronies that would do whatever he wanted for some drugs. Like, hey, go do this for me. You know, here's some drugs. You know, hey, rip up this carpet or go throw this garbage bag away or whatever, you know. And people probably wouldn't ask questions because they wanted their drugs. Was there any uh, indication of sexual abuse? Um, at the time, the coroner said no, but I don't think they really looked into it too much. So I would say the official record is no, but I would say inconclusive. What are the drugs in the area? Well, I mean, it is Washington, so pot was the first legal one, but I don't think that counts. Oh, yeah. Real drug. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Illicit drug around here is either meth or heroin. And it's heroin kind of, but it's meth. I mean, there's people that manufacture it and sell it. I mean, it's it's big and bad around here. And it's been like that since about late 80s, early 90s. Is that something that's been connected to Jim Hunt? I yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's been arrested for drugs and everything. Mm-hmm. His his mm-hmm. house is a known drug house. The house that you still knock on. Yeah. So factor that into the equation. Oh, oh, I have, I have a taser and mace and everything with me every time I go, and and a crazy little dog too. So <laughs> you bring the dog with you and tell us about. Uh, are you starting a nonprofit or attempting to uh, start a nonprofit? Um. Yes, I am. The paperwork is about to be filed it costs a lot of money and i want to you have to make sure everything is correct so if a period is in the wrong spot or something then you have to refile and you have to pay money to refile which is not cheap but yes i'm trying to start a nonprofit um for my mom but for others as well like my goal and my hope is for this to get solved i know in reality there's a good chance it might not ever be solved and I wouldn't say I'm okay with it, but I accept it, even though obviously I want it to be solved. But I'm in this for other families too. I'm in this for other families of missing and murdered people. I'm in this for people of crisis. I mean, my mother was obviously in a crisis. She had just gotten in a fight with her boyfriend. She needed somewhere to go. There needs to be a bigger net for people like this. like And just more more awareness and more accountability. Um, I feel like she slipped through the net. And I think the media kind of controlled the narrative and made the police kind of not care. And I want to change that. I mean, I want to start a nonprofit. I'm going and changing law. I want every cold case to be looked at every two years minimum, mandatory by new eyes. Why, Why is that not being done? Oh, it's a great point. And we uh, know that the Vermont State Police have a cold case specialist division, which consists of a couple to a few citizens, not 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 individuals that have law enforcement backgrounds, but people who are interested in research and cold cases. And we were told by one of the detectives, a sergeant detective from the state police, that they're invaluable. Exactly. I mean, that's preferably my hope. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it was disgusting. They had to blew off the dust after seven years of not looking at my mom's case. Seven years. I mean, that's just, and think about all the other cases too, not just my mom's that haven't been looked at in this county, in this state, nationwide. It's unacceptable. And I want to change that. And and I want to report to people like myself and, you know, others in the similar situation. And I I felt I was alone for so long, especially before the whole crime con crowd solve thing like yes yeah, so if people ask me about my mom i would tell them but 
then I got the weird coddly, like, oh, you're that girl person. You know, I didn't realize there was such a big true crime community until I started putting myself out there more. And it's like, wow, wow, people do actually kind of care. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is what we need. And this is what I want to help other people do. Like, yeah, that's uh, one of the uh, last questions that I had. Just what your feelings about the whole citizen detective true crime community? What, what, how do you feel about that? There's this big uprising, this swell of activity that's been going on, and a lot of it's generated from people who haven't experienced the type of tragedy that you've experienced, but they're putting a lot of themselves into it. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess I kind of know based on this interview, but I, I think it's amazing because I'll tell you what, there's leads that my detective wouldn't have followed up on if I didn't call and give them a heads up. And I'm just a regular citizen that happened to find stuff out. And if I wouldn't have given him that information, he never would have known it. And same with probably tens of thousands of other sleuth. What is it? Armchair sleuths is the term, I think. Um, same here. Like I really respect what they do and everything. And there's a few people that I've met at not just the crowd solve, but other crime con events that truly have a, a passion for this. Like they really do care. You have those jerkos that are just in it for the horror and gore, or whatever. And I get that too, but you also get the people that really care. And it's like, wow, wow. Like even if they don't have any personal experience, they still just want to help because they're empathetic or sympathetic or what have you. And it's, it's, it's amazing the community that I've found through all this. Like, I, I definitely feel like I have more of a platform and people listen to me more. And it's not about me. It's about my mom. And it's about every other family that's going through what I'm going through. And that's what I'm trying to get across is people can talk and have a platform and get their cases heard. And where can people donate for justice for Karen Bodine? On the website, uh, which is karenbodine.com. I might have a different website for a new one, but we're about to have merchandise out. So like the t-shirt that I have on, the mask that I have, uh, there'll be mugs, there'll be like little athletic bags, sports bags, like grocery bags. Like you can buy stuff and 100% of the proceeds go towards billboards, flyers, all that stuff. Because don't get me wrong, I mean, I'll spend every penny I will until I'm broke doing this. but. I'm getting close to doing that because, I mean, these billboards aren't cheap. It cost me $10,000 just for the billboards. So, um, but where you can donate, I just want to make sure I get it. It's Venmo.com backslash Carly dash Bodine. I can text it to you too, so you can have it. I know if you go to KarenBodine.com, there's a donation button and the Facebook, kind of a mouthful, but the Facebook one is Karen Bodine, my mother's unsolved homicide. There's also a link there too, where you can donate as well. If anyone wants stickers or flyers, please feel free to contact you guys or me or whatever. And I would love to hand out flyers and stickers. Man, I, I hope that this leads to something because you've put so much work into it and you know, you, you've got an incredible energy about yourself and what you're bringing to it. Uh, and hopefully we get to um, meet at uh, CrimeCon in yeah. Vegas. If you want, you're more than welcome to join us on a panel or we'll do a, you know, like a podcast studio episode with you there. I was doing in Texas. I was hanging out with James and the captain and my friend from Colton Cab. I was just kind of skipping from podcast to podcast because I knew a bunch of the people. And I was like, well, this is where I feel most comfortable. I'll just hang out with you guys. Oh, actually, quick story. Um, yeah, I was one pound, nine ounces when I was born. My mom and I were 
both going to die. And the doctor called my grandma and they're like, which which one do you want to survive? We, if, if it comes down to that, which it's coming down to. And my grandma sat there for a minute and she was at work, by the way. And she goes, well, I guess my daughter saved my daughter, which I mean, I can't blame my grandma. I mean, I would save my kid over the baby. You know, you know your kid way longer. Well, they put me in an incubator. I kicked the incubator lid off and I ripped an IV out of my arm just because I wanted to be around my mom. And I don't have the newspaper article with me because I'm not at home, but she has her finger and my hand doesn't even reach around her finger. And so I've been a fighter since day one and my mom taught me that and I got it from her, so. Wow. Great story. Yeah, that is a great story. Um, Incredibly uh, fitting, actually. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's why I should add it in there. I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, that's the thing is, is if something tragic happened to me, my mom, I mean, I'm fighting tooth and nail, but I can't even imagine what my mom would be doing if it was the other way around. So, I, I mean... I'm obligated in the best way to do the same for her. 